Welcome to A Court of Transformation and Awakening. I'm Lori Gray. And I'm Amanda Grace Harrison. And in today's episode, we are discussing A Court of Thorns and Roses, Chapter 19. Chapter 19. Oh, we were just going back through our notes for this chapter, guys. There is so much in this one. So much this in this one. A bit rich. Ugh. So the paint supplies have now arrived. Yes. But, but Hamlin hasn't let her see them yet. Yeah. First, he has something else for her. So the first thing that he does is he shows her the gallery. As he opens them, I love this. The breath was knocked from me. And we basically have an entire page of just her experiencing the gallery and yeah. him watching her experiencing yeah. the gallery. Yeah, I love that he appreciates that now there's finally someone there who appreciates it. Because yeah. for years, it was just all locked up because it's like, I don't don't even bother to clean that. Nobody even cares. Yeah. And now there's someone who cares. Yeah, because he, uh, yeah, it's like, it's not his thing, but it's hers. And she, gosh, she feels so deeply, you know, and she looks at all this, um, you know, and I, and I love this, this, this idea of like the things that deeply move us. <laughs> Though I have to say, friend, mm -hmm. I, I, I would like, I like the idea of being a person that's deeply moved by art. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I love this. I wish this was me. So she's like, oh, the hand I'd put to my throat sliding down to my chest where my heart roared with a fierce sort of joy and grief and overwhelming humility, humility before that magnificent art. I've never been there, but I was there one time with, not with art, but with like the way this, the sun was hitting this red leaf on a Japanese maple tree at Descanso mm. Gardens in the Japanese. And I was like, I just, I just, I wasn't conscious of any of this. I just stopped and had tears streaming down my face seeing this and light up this. Yeah. So that's as close as I can get. That that maple leaf for me, which was like 10 years ago, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. So I'm and assuming you it's it. like yeah, a yeah. similar thing for her with art. She's just like, and it's so interesting, like, it's interesting to think about those things. And I would love, you know, for those of us in our community where, um, which by the way, these podcast episodes, again, our thoughts, the point is we want to hear your thoughts, so go comment. But like, I'm curious to hear what, what moves people and like, if people are moved by these things, because I don't feel like for me, it's like one thing where hers are, hers is our paintings, right? Yeah, and like, sure. and you know, it's going to be just across the board. But the same thing, I've had moments, um, but it's not usually art. It's not usually museums. Um, I, like, I love the idea of going to museums and looking at art, but usually I'm just walking around and I just feel really tired. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not liking this. But, um, okay, back in the day, did you watch the So You Think You Can Dance? Yes. There, Those are fun. There was one season of that where there were, in this one season, I think there were three different performances that actually – like moved me to tears like something about the the music and the the dance where like you, you you have those moments where it connects really deeply and i know people who i i feel like have that experience every three seconds there are some people who just feel really deeply like that's not me when i'm pregnant that's me that's <laughs> so that's so me when i'm pregnant <laughs> there's a commercial but i remember experiencing it then i remember you know i've had i've had moments like this but they're not they're not as often there's actually okay so we're in you know southern california um down in san pedro was it? yeah san pedro that's by long beach mm -hmm. there is um and i i think if it's every week 
basically there's one day a week where there's this little part of the old town area where there are a ton of little artists um, galleries and you can go through it and look at them. Have you ever gone and done the artist walk? Not that one, no. Okay. I forget when it is, but you know, everybody opens their doors. And so, you know, having a daughter that's interested in art, there was a day that we drove down there. Um, there's also a thrift store down there that I really, really love. And so we go, we go to it, but we went and we looked at all the artists and you know, a lot of them were cool. And I would, I would find stuff. I'm like, that's really neat. That's really interesting. But there was one artist studio and I, when we go down there, I always go in and I look at the same pieces. Like they're all, they're not things that I can um, afford right now. And I don't have any place to put them, but it's not, they're not paintings. They're, and they're not exactly sculptures either. And I'm, I'm not going to do them justice, but she has a number of pieces where like, whenever I look at them, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I actually feel moved. And I just kind of want to sit here and like be in the presence um, of this. So one of them was, it's like a, it was a glass box. I mean, it's fairly large, um, but it was like a glass box. And inside of it, there's this sculpture of a person like pushing on the wall and like the wall that it's pushing on is starting to crack, right? So you see this person put inside this like glass box and like trying to, to break out of it. Um, I don't know. And it was just like, there was so much emotion on the face and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just resonate with, you know, the emotion behind this piece. Um, there was another one that I'll probably get wrong, but it was like a, um, I think it, what was it? Was it a, like a slingshot, um, like on one piece and then like in the other piece, there was like a target and, and but it was things like wealth or beauty and it, it was sort of representing the kind of like the crapshoot of like what you're born into, mm. right? It's like, you don't, you don't get to decide like where you're born or your height or your, you know, what stratus of society you're born into and how much of it is like left chance, you know, and these things. And just, she had this way and they, they were these big pieces where I feel like they needed to have, and some of them were very large and some of them took up space and they were, they were interactive. Um, it was, they were super cool. So like occasionally there are pieces, um, you know, that I find, um, but they're, they're they're fewer and further between same thing where i can like go back i'm like oh my gosh there was a piece of art and i felt something and i feel very <laughs> i feel very proud of myself <laughs> for it where I other people are like something while looking at art yeah can I, get, I can imagine people being like that happens to me like four times a day yeah. just like do you not have that when you look at the sky or the sidewalk no i don't but i love that people do <laughs> yeah i appreciate that about other people Oh, but this is Feyre. So this is a thing that moves Feyre deeply. And I'm always interested to hear like what moves other people. It's very seldom art for me, but mu like music and movement actually often is more for me. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And then at the end of this little section. Then I, I began to paint. I began to paint. Yes. Weeks passed. Okay, days melting together, melting together. I painted and I painted most of it awful and useless. Never let anyone see it. But she moves into the space where this is now the primary thing that she is spending our time doing. And we start to see her, you know, falling into a little bit of a pattern here. Um, you know, where she she can't wait to get up and and and, and jot down these things. And Tamlin's called away a lot. Um, and she's just happy when he returns safely. Yeah. And I love this. I love this line here. I slowly stopped being so afraid. Mm. 
And it wasn't, it wasn't, and we've seen that this has been happening ever since she arrived, but safety, this is never a thing that happens all at once. It was a slow thing over the course of weeks where she stopped being so afraid. And she doesn't even say like afraid at all, just not so afraid. Yeah. Um, Less. Oh my gosh. This is a topic that I talk about a lot. I won't go too in, in depth to it, but the, are you familiar with the concept when people talk about felt safety? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that was a term that I didn't come across until, you know, I really, until I started studying trauma, you know, I've always been such a logical thinker in my life. There was just like situations where you are safe and where you're not safe and really understanding from a nervous system perspective that it's not really about whether you're actually safe or whether you're not, it's whether or not you mm. have a felt sense of safety. And the first author that I heard, who was that? Was that, um, Waking the Tiger? I don't know. It was one of these early books on trauma, one of the first authors to to really describe that. And they're like, it's it's not one thing. They're like, it's not just emotional. It's not this. It's like, it's like there's eight these eight different components that have to come together to create a felt sense of safety and how important and vital that is. Um, yeah, anyway, so, you know, so we've been talking about this, but it reminded me of this because nothing has changed in how safe she is. Yeah. Nothing She's from the day that she arrived in Printhia, she was exactly as safe as she is right now. So her actual literal factual safety is the same, but she couldn't feel it until now. She had to go through these layers. There had to be things that she experienced. She had to get to that place. Um, and I experienced this over the weekend. So over the weekend, I had um, a handful of different experiences Um where I was in different situations with different people. And I was just paying really close attention to how safe or unsafe I felt to be myself, right? Which is a theme that we've been talking about because um, <laughs> that's the thing that's been on my mind because <laughs> it's the thing I've been working on. And there was a situation where it was interesting. I'm like, hmm, okay, I feel anxious going into this situation because I don't feel safe. And I was like, hmm, okay, but I think I actually am and i was contrasting when it's like a false neuroception when i feel unsafe to be myself and i actually am safe to be myself and when i feel unsafe to be myself and i'm actually unsafe and sort of navigating all the things between there um but it was funny going into the thing i'm like i think that <laughs> like my poor husband as i'm probably processing this i'm like i feel unsafe but i think in this case i actually am safe and it might be a good exercise to show up and actually be myself and then we had we hung out with the people when we came out i was like oh no i actually think my neuroception was pretty accurate because they're kind of judgmental right and he was like yeah a little bit because i'm like <laughs> i was like okay i got it um because we're in this space right now where we're we're not quite sure what's happening with our life like where we and everybody keeps asking like what's next what's next because we did this big airstream adventure and then we were transitioning and everybody's like what's next what's next and we still don't know but it was fascinating to notice we had dinner with some friends recently and we told them they're like so what's next and we're like we don't know and they were like oh my gosh i love that for you guys right yeah. such an adventure such a great thing that you're doing and it came from this place of having such a high regard for us and like well obviously you've thought through it obviously you've been thoughtful like none of that was in question um or like birthday hang the other day it's like oh well if anybody's going to navigate that well it's you and i have these people in my life when they say what are you doing next and we say we don't know and they're like oh my gosh well one we know you're going to walk through that well and like what a cool adventure and then this other situation where it's like what's next and like we don't know and people get that face of like 
uh well have you thought through that have you spent any time have you thinking I mean, about what you might do next do you realize you have children who need stability in their lives you know what I... I mean? like those kinds of responses and it was fascinating because on the other side of it i was like oh the fact that i don't actually feel 100 percent safe to say everything now one the truth is i actually am like that it's like i still want to show up in those situations and be a person that says that says the truth and is honest because the the most I'm going to receive is judgment. I'm not actually unsafe. But I was like, oh, that person actually is is kind of judgmental. So the fact that if I don't feel like 100% at ease is actually accurate. Yeah. All that to say, the more that I get in there and I'm constantly like looking at these things and pulling them apart, I trust my nervous system a lot more than I used to. But I do still have these experiences where there are situations where I actually am safe and I don't feel it. And giving myself permission and giving myself time, like Faye did here, that moving to a place of felt safety is not a thing that just because you logically know you are, that you can suddenly expect yourself to then feel it. It's a different experience and it takes time. Um, but as she starts to actually feel it, not just know it like she's known in her head she was safe for a while but as she's slowly starting to actually have a greater felt sense of safety slowly feeling less and less afraid um what she's able to here's what here's what was interesting what she's able to process that we see on the next page um because i think when we're in survival mode it's like what's what's important to us mm -hmm. and what we're able to work through um but as she um, is working through here, she she has this understanding of she's going to look for a place to paint. And the breeze blows through. And then suddenly she remembers her family, glamoured, cared for, safe, still have no idea where I am. And the mortal world, it had moved on without me as if I had never existed. A whisper of a miserable life gone unremembered by anyone whom I'd known or cared for. Gosh, and she has a moment here. She doesn't go writing. She doesn't want to paint. And I feel like there's there's a handful of layers here where she really is struggling through this. Because she's still, it, but it's still, she's making it up though. You know, like this is just her take on it because she does at the end of that paragraph say like a stupid, useless, obedient human. So she's she's back in that she could be painting and enjoying herself and and but then she, no one would remember me. Well, maybe maybe no one would remember her, or maybe everybody will remember her back home and and it. Yeah. And, he, and that's rejecting like, it. There is there's 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 so many layers to this. I mean, so many layers to this. Which again, which is what I I I appreciate because that's it's. It's so true. On the one hand, she's frustrated here for not thinking of them. And she's a little bit like, um, Tamlin, let me forget them. And he's like, maybe it was even this distraction. Maybe this way to get me to stop complaining. Um, you know, stop being a pain in his ass about wanting to see my family. Or maybe they were a distraction from whatever was happening, you know, in his world. And he's like, I'd stop asking. I'd, I'd stopped asking, you know, like you said, yeah. And there's, there's this self-judgment there for sure that's coloring all of it. But 
I think maybe all also like a moment of herself of like recognizing, gosh, it was easier to just not think of all of this. And as we go to the next page and she has frustration, like it finally comes out at mm. the bottom here where that she shares that she feels so tremendously ashamed of herself for leaving them. And she doesn't really understand it. She's like, I don't understand why it feels so selfish and horrible to paint. I shouldn't feel that way, should I? I know I shouldn't, but I can't help it. And then going into all those years, what I did for them, and they didn't try to stop you from taking me. There it was. It was the giant pain that cracked me in two if I thought about it too long. Yep. And then you're coming back to this, you know, like all of these, you know, all of these things of like recognizing that believing the Puka's illusion didn't make sense. Um, gosh, I don't know. There was there was just like a, a, a depth of this that like this, this has been hurting her since that night, right? That like this, this beast comes and we've got, you know, Nesta who's protecting Elaine, but not mm. Feyre. Yeah. Neither of them are trying to stop the beast and her dad even being like okay well yeah take her but like hey if you get away like escape and this has been the painful thing that like they didn't try to stop him and she's been carrying it around now initially i think she just didn't have the capacity to deal with that it was like survive yeah. right like it's like this is this is lower on on the agenda and then we're moving to this place of out of survival like feeling safe yeah and it all comes up right where she's like it's really happy moments like oh we when we wandered his grounds on lazy days uh the high lord whom i was happy to talk to or spend hours in comfortable silence with it's so different from how she felt towards him when they first got there so it's like as soon as she gets into that and she says, maybe it was the lulling of magic that clouded my thoughts. And then she goes into this really dark space where she's, and then she's like just hating on herself. She's like, oh, I'd let him erase me. He'd offered me paints and the space and time to practice. He showed me pools of starlight. He'd saved me like some kind of feral knight in a legend. And I gulped it down like fairy wine. I was no better than those zealot children of the blessed. Like she's just... She's just like, everything's so, oh my gosh, this is horrible. How am I letting this all be so great? I shouldn't be, I shouldn't, right? I shouldn't be doing this, right? Should I? Should, should I? Oh my what? gosh. There's, the like, word should is like 15 times in this little paragraph oh done. And some of it, I'm like, like she's, she's horrible. all over the place right yeah. here, right? She's all over the place right here. And I love Tamla. He's like, you seem <laughs> upset. <laughs> Your hair is clean. Clean. <laughs> That's one of his moments. Oh, he's very, very hard articulate yeah. kind of place um but yeah. she but this is one of those things where like she needed to get this off her chest she needed to say it out loud she needed to express it and even though there's a part of her i think this was the thing that that was interesting um this happens a lot in um coaching sessions with people where there is a space where I think so many people these days understand that there's power in positive thinking. There's power in like managing their their thoughts and like, okay, well, this, you know, it, this doesn't make sense. So I'm just not going to do it. But there becomes sort of a 
glossing over of what's really there. And I'll have people in the session and they're talking and they're like, okay, well, you know, I was thinking this. Okay, no, no, okay. I, I realized I shouldn't think that. Like, that doesn't make sense. And they want to, like, move on really fast. I'm like, well, okay, hold on. Like, hold on. Like, I know in your regular life there are times whenever we need to be functional. But I'm like, these spaces, like coaching spaces, I need you to be unevolved. Like, I need you to mm. show up in these spaces not – like, this isn't the place to, like, let me manage my thinking. Like, this is the place where you need to – yeah, let it all hang out. Yeah. I'm like, it's like if there's a, like sometimes like you need to like lance the boil and like get it out. And sometimes, and I think that was, and I've recognized this for my own life where there are times when I don't even necessarily have to work through it. Sometimes it just needs to be purged. Yeah. Like we just need a minute to say it and it it can be all over the place like this, like hers. And she's even got some judgment of like, maybe I shouldn't be this way, but like, this is the thing. And like, here it is. And like, you get it all out. And there's something so healing about just getting it out. And, you know, and she's in judgment of it, of like, oh my gosh, this self-pity is absurd. But he's like, no, he's like, if it grieves you, then it's not absurd at all. Such and a good Tamlin moment. Thank you. Thank you. Such, such a good Thanks moment. Just to, to be like, yeah, like if these are all your feelings, they're yours, they're valid, just yeah. get them out. And like, and it's fine and it's good. Um, yeah. So I think she just needed to have this moment where she just, this is like this thing that hurts me and it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. I've been carrying it around and like, I just got it out and I lanced that boil and I said it out loud, which by the way, I found doesn't really work with like, I'm a huge fan of encouraging people to like write things out and do like thought dumps. There are certain things that I don't think that works for. Like some of these deeply painful things, I think they need to be said out loud to another human. Yeah, it's true. Because sometimes that will be like if I'm in a group coaching program and I've done the work and I've written it out loud. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I, I did the work. And then somebody's like, no, we, would you just mind sharing yours? And then I read it out loud and I'm bawling at the end of it. And I'm like, I didn't cry when I was writing, writing it, it, but something about saying it out yep. loud. Holy nuts. Does it ever just release yep. all kinds of stuff that writing can't bring up for me? Exactly. So there, there's power in this. And I think... Um, it, and it's one of those things I have to remind myself of because, again, there's there's sort of that, like, independence. Right? It's like, no, like, it's fine. I can just manage it on my own. It's like, nope. There needs to be spaces where we show up and it's like, this is hard and this is painful. And it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. It's a it's a thing that hurts. And, like, can I get it out? Yeah. It's um, a really beautiful healing moment for her to be able to say all that in front of him and then have him be like, no. Yeah. And so when he... um. You know, she, he lifts his bleeding hand and he kisses her palm, which was really sweet. I freaking love a good palm kiss, by the way. This is a really hot moment for me. Is it? Palm kisses? Oh, my gosh. See, I'm so like, good. I have a tendency so. to I have a tendency to keep my hands in um, granny palms? fists. <laughs> my granny always. A does. lot, which means that they're always, like, a little sweaty. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, I'm like, oh, don't, don't kiss it. Don't kiss my Don't palm. kiss it. It might be, it might, it might be a little gross. Um. It kind of depends on the day. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, ooh, I can, what kind of, you know, some people, and some people have hands that tend to always be like non-sweaty. Mine are either ice cold or they're sweaty. I don't know. Um, that's so funny. But yeah, but anyway, but she definitely has a moment here too. Because um, she has, she has a. <laughs> yeah, he took the, took the other hand of his mouth and kissed it too. Kissed it. Carefully, carefully in a way that made heat begin pounding in my core between my legs 
We're getting to these moments. There we go. We're getting to these moments. But then, you know, we have this moment of one of my favorite moments Oh, here. Tamlin's best line ever. Don't feel bad for one moment about doing what brings you joy. Amen, Tamlin. Thank Preach. you, Tamlin. Preach it. Preach. Preach. Um, Oh, and then his other great one. Why? Why do any of this, she says. And he leaned in closer, so close that I had to tip my head back to see him. Because your human joy fascinates me. The way you experience things in your lifespan so wildly and deeply and all at once is entrancing. I'm drawn to it even when I know I shouldn't be, even when I try not to be. Ah, that's nice. It's so nice. Yeah. And it's such, you know, it's such a shift here from the, her, like, I feel, you know, her really understanding that she has this weird sense of guilt over painting. And it's not just about the joy of painting, you know, it's, it's related to this deeper pain, like everything's so complex, but shifting to like, don't feel bad about what brings you joy to him even shifting to like your joy is like fascinating to me yeah you know and seeing this sort of this sort of three levels of her understanding it from a place where she can see it as being difficult to okay well don't feel bad to also here's this place where like i think it's fantastic and wonderful and her having a chance to see it in a different light oh man but sweet sweet romantic moments mm. here i love this like He came in slowly, giving me time to pull away and brush his lips against my cheek. Soft and warm and heartbreakingly gentle. I love the heartbreakingly gentle part. It's so... It is. It really, really is. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so she, so they, they have these moments. Um, and going into the, this next one, it, it's funny. We're like, oh, this is such a sweet moment. She's like, mortification. <laughs> Lingering mortification, <laughs> lingering mortification, which of course comes right on the heels of not realizing that I craved his warmth, his nearness until he was gone. Lingering mortification over right? what I'd admitted. <laughs> Oh, and also what she's like, you know, what had changed between us? Like, you know, her really acknowledging that things have, things have changed, um, for sure. And so she goes, she needs a minute. She goes out into the woods by herself. This is one of my favorite Mm. <laughs> this scenes, is fun. by the way. This This is is very this is fun. a good moment. <laughs> And um, she has a set a trap for him. And he's dangling upside down. And I love this, like, upside down, cruel human. <laughs> That's what you get for stalking someone. <laughs> oh, so they have a fun moment here. They have some more. Um, and then we, yeah, so they, they, she, or he cuts himself down, right? That's With pretty his, impressive. his claws. And then he pulls out the series of five lined poems. Oh, yes. Where we find out that he is um, good at writing dirty limericks. And that he's written some for her based on the words that she was figuring out um, how to say. And so, again, after so much time where everything's so painful, they're laughing together. I tipped my tipped back my head and howled, my laughter like sunshine, shattering age-hardened ice. Ugh. She's laughing hard now. She's doing some laughter yoga. Oh my gosh, it's so nice, right? Just uh, <laughs> to have the ability to to laugh and yeah, to her to that's we're laughing seeing hard. her. Gosh, she's moving out of this place where um, things have been difficult for so long. Um, and again, really sweet moment. Um, 
where he he he's able to find to again show that like he does not see um her illiteracy as a shortcoming and just this really really thoughtful which by the way like that was a thing that like so i gosh such a transition from dirty limerick poems to chronic pain that's a totally like logical switch of course really really logical it switch for fair um, not for you totally but okay so you know i dealt with chronic pain for ages you know for such a long time and um because i was in acute pain like pain that was like originating like in my joints for such a long time and then because i was actually like dislocating joints every single day experiencing that the pain pathways in my brain got very very strong mm. and so then there was a place where i'm experiencing pain that is um it wasn't acute pain that was due to injuries in my body it was neuroplastic pain basically meaning my my brain had learned to be in pain and then it was experiencing um pain because it was it was used to that and which, by the way, for anybody out there who deals with chronic pain, like there's there is the old part of me that's going to be like, oh, this worked for me, it works for you. Like, no, I don't do I don't do if it worked for me, it works for you. Um, and pain is a complicated thing. But what I do believe is all pain is real. All pain originates in the brain, no matter what's going on. But I do know that neuroplastic pain is a real thing, where the brain creates pain signals when there is no actual mm -hmm. issue in the physical body. Um, but a huge part of that was part of the healing process is learning to be able to experience pain and not react negatively to it because what most of us have what, what happens is we experience pain and we go to that's bad right and then it's sort of like pavlov's dog like we it's like pain pain is bad we tense up we sort of have thoughts about it that it's this terrible thing and then we create a relationship with the pain that kind of teaches our nervous system that it's an unsafe thing and creates this big long cycle mm. and it's a very it's a it's a very interesting process of learning to retrain the brain to experience pain and not then see it as this really terrible thing that we've become obsessed with but part of it was like one of the techniques <clears throat> is being able to be in pain and be like laugh it's like, can you be experiencing it and create sort of a more like lighthearted relationship? Can you be in a place where you are simultaneously conscious of experiencing pain and experiencing like lightheartedness or humor or laughter? Um, it's, it's a very interesting process, but uncoupling that place from like, if I'm experiencing pain, oh my gosh, it must be like terrible or wrong. So that's kind of a deep thing. But all that to say, like there's, there is something to be said for just being able to laugh at whatever we're experiencing. Yeah. And so for her to have this relationship with like, oh my gosh, my illiteracy is, it's so embarrassing. I can't let anybody know about it too. We're like it's dirty limericks and laughter limericks. and like, oh wait, here's a situation where we are loosely talking about the fact that I do not know how to pronounce these words, pairing it with laughter and with lightheartedness and with humor there's i think there's some deeper truths for healing there but yeah good tamlin moment good tamlin moment oh good one yeah and then right before that actually there was one oh my gosh i i just love this description uh, when ash it went as he's still hanging upside down before he cuts himself down she runs his fingers through his hair gently carefully mm. he purred which was that's a pretty 
if you're going to have a male who's half man, half beast, that's got to be one of the best things is that he can actually purr because a purring cat that just feels so good it does well and it's evidence that she may actually be able to train him with treats yes. <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely and he may that. perhaps actually like to be brushed as well she should try definitely that might. i mean if he's if he's actually liking the like yeah, stroking his regular like hair maybe this. he would like the fur brushing like maybe there's Just more to that, that that should be explored um yeah. in a fanfic <laughs> someone needs to write that fanfic uh, but the sound of his purring is rumbling through her fingers, arms, legs, and core, which leaves her with this thought. I wondered how that sound would feel if he were fully pressed up against me, skin to skin. I just love how her brain jumps to that. He's purring. How would that feel if we were? <laughs> I like that. Having uh, never been with a male who purrs, I think it's a good question, it's Sarah. A, it's a valid question. And, and I mean, and I love that we're starting to see, you know, Again, I love all these. I love all those little moments where it's it's it, their relationship is shifting. Um, okay, super fun. So they have this great moment, um, and then okay, so we shift to they're walking out of the park and they're talking about um, the the concept of a mating bond. Okay, so she's starting to learn what that is and. Um, more about her, his father, um, and some of Tamlin's history, uh, which is super interesting. And I, th I think the next part that really stood out to me was where he's talking about how, you know, other high lords are trained from birth to in manners and laws and court warfare. And I love it. When the title fell to me, it was a rough transition. Um, and that he says many of my father's, um, how do you say, you say courtiers? This is one of those ones I always read and I've never said it out loud. Courtiers? Courtiers? I don't even know. I don't know either. I don't know. Uh, the amount of books that I read that have like courts in them where this word comes up and I've never actually said it out loud. Courtiers. I'm assuming. Courtiers. I've never thought about that. I have word. no idea either. Okay. Those people. And... Uh, defected to other courts rather than have a warrior beast snarling at them. Okay, and soon as so he shares this that he's calling himself a warrior beast and realizing that like other people have seen him this way, which for her calls back to the half wild beast mm. that Nesta had called her. This was, I don't know, it was such an interesting moment. I think that so many of us, like, we have, you know, we have painful moments. And the tendency for all of us to feel like the pain that we've experienced, the the shame that we've experienced, the negative self-talk that we have, when we hide it, it's so easy to believe, like, we're the only one that's ever experienced that. Hmm. And I tell you what, I, it's one of the reasons I love, love, love group coaching programs. I love it whenever you know, business women like pull back the veil and like talk about what that's actually like. And to get to see that like, oh my goodness, things that I thought were just mine, things that I was so embarrassed of, things I wouldn't want any anybody to know. It's like, oh, other people experience this too? Oh, fun. Like, and the, the normalization of things. And it's part of why like as a coach, like why I never, the idea of being like a therapist where there are like rules about 
like don't share your personal experience with clients. I'm like, how does anybody learn? Because I think part of releasing shame is understanding, like being able to normalize experiences that we have. It's why I love group coaching. It's why I love getting to hear other people's stories because as soon as we realize like what we're experiencing is a normal thing that other people experience, um, it's so much easier to drop the shame and it's not a thing that we have to hide anymore which is big picture, but here for them, like for her just to have this moment of here's this thing that I've experienced that I thought was so unique to me. And here's like a completely different context of somebody mm-hmm. experiencing almost the same thing. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, maybe we can be friends because we understand each <laughs> other. Oh, but I love this. She's like, well, they're idiots if they can't see it. They're idiots. Okay. What are those? She's looking at unlit fires. Oh, oh, okay. they're setting up bonfires <clears throat> for Cal and May or Cal and Mai. And we realized we learned how to say that at one point and then forgot. I think I call it Cal and Mai, and I remember that I say it wrong. So therefore, it's probably Cal and May. But I'm still going to call it Cal and Mai. Regardless, like. it means fire night. Fire night. That just sounds so fun. How can she not be invited to freaking fire night? Damn it. Okay, we got a little foreshadowing here. Um, we've got some fun chapters coming up, guys. Um, but she's like, okay, what does, and she doesn't know, what does Kala Fire Night celebrate? That's what we're just going to call it. Kala <laughs> Fire Night. Kala Fire Night. Um, and I love this, like, where he rubs his neck. It's just a spring ceremony. We light bonfires and... <laughs> the magic that we create helps regenerate the land for the year ahead. How do you create the magic? a ritual but it's very very i love this like like the glot <laughs> he clenches clenched his jaw and continued walking um you know and so he's he's obviously keeping some stuff from her and she knows that um but his biggest thing is like if you see fairies stay away from them um anyways this this whole situation again is one of those places where this would have went better if there had just been more open communication. But For like reals, but less story. Less story. Jeez. <laughs> Come on. Little okay, communication. So can't wait. Good. Cannot wait to get to this biggest thing. But the am I invited to your ceremony? No. You're not. Definitely not. Um and, and for whatever reason, he's like trying to keep his claws contained. Um and and because again, because there's this lack of explanation, she's like, though I try to ignore it, my chest caped a bit. Um Gosh, and again, for somebody who already has, like, a negative story about herself where – now, those of you who have read the future chapters, having read the future chapters, like, we get the benefit of a couple chapters from now. We understand what this is about. Just that place where, like, in the moment, she doesn't understand what it's about. So it's just a thing that's, like, hurtful to her yeah. um, due to a lack of understanding of what's happening. Um, but he's snarling. He's baring his teeth in a low snarl. Stay hidden. Oh, no, no, wait, this is a different one. So, so that sort oh, of right. thing. This is when... So there's a tense, there's a tense silence between them about this because this isn't, um, and the, the conversation is awkward, but then suddenly we have a, a transition here where he bears his teeth in a low snarl, stay hidden, no matter what you hear, don't come out. And then he's gone. Okay. Ooh, this scene. Where we now have her again this is one of those places where she's overhearing this conversation and she doesn't like most of it doesn't make sense Mm, and i remember reading this the first time and being like none of this makes sense 
Um, it makes sense till so you're rereading it and then you're like oh yeah when you reread it it's like it's it's so it's so clear but this is why we i had to like read this book and then immediately go back and reread it so i'm like wait a minute uh, but anyway so we all we also have um another mention of this she 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 who holds your fate in her hands with one word she could destroy this pathetic estate so we know whoever she is we don't want to meet her and i wish i could tell you that you're never going to meet her where can i meet her yeah i don't want to meet her and she knows that yeah and we know tamlin's really angry um they're really upset um and at the end they're wanting to know like what did you hear and she's like I mean, she heard a lot, but she's like, nothing I understood. Um, and she's like, and I meant that, like, none of it made any sense. She just couldn't stop shaking. Um, something about that voice had ripped away the warmth from me. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's obviously, this is one of the things where we are getting this indication that they're, they're she, you know, we're having these moments of playfulness and limericks and starlight pools. And it's this reminder of, like, there is one this blight you know that she's heard of but then there's also all of this mystery of like there is something else going on here and it's a stark reminder that we're not in kansas anymore we are not in kansas anymore and there are other creatures nightmarish cre creatures that do exist and we we know that this is now the adder um and enough that these two are scared and frustrated and And she's just not quite sure what to do all of it, with all of it. Um, I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good My about it. My heart is pounding I'm a like, little bit right now. I'm, I'm like, like can, this is why we, this is, this is how Sarah J. Mass hooks you in too, right? Because you get to the end of this chapter and you're like, well, I can't stop reading there. Even though it's 1130 and I need to go to sleep, I have to read another chapter because I can't end there. <laughs> Even though the, the, the spring breeze whispered that I didn't want to know. Like, ooh. Quick, right. let's read something else and hope that this next chapter ends happily. <laughs> oh my goodness, there is so much more going. There's so much more coming and about to happen. There's so much that she doesn't know yet, but we're all going to find out about soon. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you for joining us on this episode of A Court of Transformation and Awakening, and we hope that you will join us if you have not already over at ACOTA, A-C-O-T-A-A dot circle dot S-O for the deeper magic. Dive in and see what you can find. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye.